Hi, and welcome to Talking Realty, the go-to podcast for home sellers looking to make more money, save time, and avoid headaches. Whether you're selling a flip, a new build, an income property, or the place you call home, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Glenn Witten, a 20-year broker and founder of the Ohio Property Group, where we're all about turning hands-on knowledge into seller success stories. Whether you're in Ohio or not, you should get our free monthly newsletter. This thing is jam-packed with strategies, tools, checklists, and a treasure trove of seller resources, all crafted to boost your selling savvy, no matter where you are. Head over to TalkingRealty.com to get your hands on these gems. And don't forget, subscribe right here to Talking Realty so you never miss a thing. Now, let's say hi to Ryan Phillips. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Realty. Today, we're thrilled to have Ryan Phillips join us. Ryan is not just any expert in the title industry. He's a seasoned professional with almost 30 years of experience. Throughout his career, Ryan has worked his way up by mastering several roles, from being an escrow officer to a processor, taking on managerial and account executive positions, to finally owning his own place. What sets Ryan apart is his extensive experience in handling a wide range of transactions. We're talking everything from standard purchases to complex commercial refinances. What's even more impressive is that he's personally closed over 4,000 real estate transactions, which should tell you all you need to know about his experience and his expertise. But it's not just about the numbers. As you know, one of my three S's for judging a title company is service. I have personally worked with Ryan and can assure you that his take on service is not just talk. He and his team have navigated my sellers through some pretty tricky waters. Today, he's here to talk about some of the ways the right title company can make all the difference in your home sale. So let's dive in and learn from the best in the business. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks. So thanks for coming on today. Uh, Everything good? Everything settled? Your office is under control down there? Office is under control. We're just uh, (laughs) sitting here with the marketing team just left. So we're just... uh, beating up the airwaves for uh for for business super super fantastic well uh as we heard in the intro you've been at this a long time so do me a favor and just you know talk about where you are how you got here start wherever you like and uh wind up where we are now okay well i like to tell people that first i did get my license my real estate license when i was 19 because i had a dad (laughs) who's been a broker since the 60s in the german village area in columbus and I, I did that for a few years, and I came, I, well, just a couple years, actually, and I quickly realized that dealing with the emotional train wrecks of buyers and sellers that they can be mm-hmm. sometimes was not for mm-hmm. me. I'll take care of them at the closing table, but I didn't mm-hmm. want to hold their hand through that whole process. I thought I'd leave that up to you uh, realtors with thicker <laughs> skin. And uh, so uh, I started a summer job at a title company, and uh, off I went. That was in 1994. So that brings us up to today. Um, so how's bu- how's business? How are things going over there at Associates? Everything's going well. It's it's you know we're would I like to be doing more business? Of course, but I think I join everyone in our industry when you know it, it's just down a little bit right now, and that's when you right. kind of got to get after it, find new avenues, new ways to get business, and and it seems to be working. So it's uh, I, I can't complain. Not at all. So you mentioned your dad was a realtor. Um, so you really. Was he a realtor like your whole life or in and out or how did that go? Grandpa was a realtor. <laughs> and then my dad was a realtor. He uh, he uh, started selling real estate back when he was a bartender at Plank's Beer Garden in German German Village. Village. 
and he he uh, bought his first house when he was bartending there, twenty five dollars down, twenty five dollars a month. It was a seven seven bedroom boarding house, and uh, he uh, you know, kind of took that and ran with it. And then he's been selling German, but he was selling uh, real estate. He did a deal a few weeks before he passed away, actually. So uh, he uh, never stopped doing it. He didn't really need to. He kind of just did what came across his lap there towards the end, or at least actually for the last 20 years. But uh, it set him up comfortably. And uh, and and I kind of followed in his footsteps in the real estate industry, but didn't want to didn't want to be an agent. I, I, again, leave that up to the thick skinned folk. So you prefer the vacuum, perfect, pristine isolation of the title office? Is that what you're? Is that what I'm hearing? That's right. That's right. I, I love to deal with, I love to deal with them at the tail end. The happy yeah. part it, it seems to be the best place to be when they're here for a closing, when they get to the yeah. table, because you and I know how many roller coaster rides they go on with lenders or realtors or inspections or right. you name it prior to getting to the closing table. Yeah. So. Uh, it sounds like you kind of hit your stride pretty early. Did you take any weird detours or anything in life that, that kind of looked like it was really out of place, but then maybe ended up being, you know, fortunate? Uh, no. I mean, I even went for that other company. I, I had moved to Cleveland and ran an office up there for about, I worked at the office for about a year. Mm -hmm. Then I ran it for uh, about three years before I moved back to Columbus. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, you know, I can really say, you know, for, for someone that just graduated high school, I didn't go to college. Mm -hmm. I, uh, uh, but I, I found, I saw that, you know, my dad was the same way that, that uh, as long as you work hard and you're, you're trustworthy and you learn your trade, you can do very well in the real estate industry, whether it be, you know, selling, buying or title or, or you know, uh, other aspects, you know, appraisal or whatever it might be. Uh, it's a great industry to be in. And what industry can you get into that affects so many people's lives uh, like right. ours? Buying, selling houses, it's, a, you know, their biggest investment of their life. And, and it's where they're going to put their family or, you know, whatever it might be or where they're going to retire to. So there's a lot of things behind it that uh, make it a great industry to be in. Well, I certainly uh, second that. Uh, you know, you've been in this for, by if my remedial math is, is close it sounds like you've been at this about 30 years so in november of it'll be 30, it'll be 30 years. years so look in this day and age most people don't stick with the same job for very long and a lot of them have multiple careers <laughs> so what in the world gets you out of bed every day to go do title work and be passionate for this you'd have to be to do it for this long well most mornings i feel a little tinge of excitement you know i can't say i feel like i'm going to a you know the circus or whatever but I have a little excitement of what's today going to bring. And I've learned that in this business, I learned something new every, well, almost every day now. Still, you know, it's, it's every deal is different. No two deals are exactly the same. There's always small parts or small moving parts that are going to yep. be different. Well, again, I'm right there with you. I've been at this for a very, very long time. So, uh, look, let's just. Fast forward a little bit. Can you just kind of give me an overview? What does a title company do? What's their role when I'm selling a home? Um, and honestly, as a home seller, why should I care? So just give me the overview. Well, the best way I can explain a title company is if a real estate transaction is a wagon wheel, we're the center hub of that wagon wheel. Everyone's information flows through us. We facilitate the money. We facilitate the closing. And all, all aspects of the deal come together 
at the title company. So it's uh, from start to finish, you're going to go out, you're going to list that house, you're going to get a contract on that house. From there, we're kind of going to take over and we're going to make sure that everyone gets paid through the transaction. We're going to make sure that uh, the title is clear on a transaction. We're going to make sure it's all done properly and that we're turning over this house to the new buyer as a fresh slate. So I also hear the term escrow thrown around and I don't know if that's state specific, but is there a big difference between when people say title versus escrow? Am, am I getting those confused? No, it, it, it is two different things. And some states do separate. It's a separate company or a separate license that you do have to have, but escrow is the handling of the funds. Okay. Title is to ensure that the the title insurance policy on the property is good. Got it. Actually, thank so you. Two different two different parts of it, but in Ohio, we put them together under one company. You look at places like California, there's a title license and an escrow license. So there's two different companies doing that that part of the deal. So we're doing it all together here. Leave, in leave it to California. Uh, and I'll leave it right there. Uh, so once a deal goes under contract, we, from the listing agent side, we send everything over to you and the lender. What does it look like from there? Because to be honest, we monitor it, but we don't really, we're not hands-on in your office. I don't see what goes on. What happens after we open it up? Title contract, com- I'm sorry, the purchase contract comes in. Uh, my order entry team puts that all the uh, specifics from that contract into our system, price, address, parties involved, you know, everything, any other things on there that might need to be taken care of. So we're going to put it in there. And then with the information that you've provided us, we're going to start reaching out to buyers, sellers, lenders, anyone else that we need to talk to and and get the deal organized, make sure we get all the information that we need from those parties and then proceed with our process uh, of getting the deal to the table. So a lot of times it would, you know, if there's no lender involved, it does simplify things. We all know that. But if there's a lender involved, you know, I need to know what's the loan amount on that purchase? What's the loan number? What's their mortgagee clause? Who's that lender's policy of title insurance that I'm going to issue? Who am I issuing that to? So it's uh, it's just taking all the information, throwing it in where we need it in our system, and then running off with it. Got it. When you do the title search and even recording the deeds and stuff, do you actually send people to the courthouse? I know in 100 years ago they did, but is that how it works today? Very rarely. Most of it, it almost all of it can be done, done online. There's 88 counties in Ohio, uh, and I think we're down to four that will not allow us to e-record documents. Okay. So for the most part, you know, I can take uh, your scans and I can re- t- send those off for recording, not not needing the old original anymore and taking it down there and walking it through the auditor and then walking it through the recorder's office and all that time, you know, that giant waste of time. But uh, as far as the searches go, with how many counties are now fully online, whether it be the, the recorder, the clerk of courts, auditor, everyone around, uh, everyone in, uh, involved with real estate at the county level, most of them are online, so I can find most of what I need through a search on the computer. Got it. That is, uh, that's good to know. Do you have to be an attorney to do this, or how are attorneys involved? You do not have to be an attorney. It, it is it is a license. I hold what they call a marketing license for associates title. Patrick Craycraft, my partner, he has our title license. So as far as the state of Ohio goes, all the licensing for us to issue a title insurance policy are through Patrick. He's not an attorney either. We do not need an attorney to do what we do, but they're a nice pet to have. So that's why we have one on staff. So we use the attorney that we have here to prepare our legal documents, to review anything kind of goofy that comes up. Uh, My attorney 
has been doing this for a long, long time, and he is very familiar with real estate law. And uh, I don't know if I, there's many around that know more than him about what it is we do and how, how effective he is at getting deals taken care of or getting a solution for us to uh, get a deal closed. It's like your secret weapon. It, it, it is. And I know companies that use like an outside attorney or, you know, and, and they have to send this information to the attorney and the attorney's got a bunch of questions or whatever. My attorney doesn't have right. questions. He goes out and gets the information if he if he needs something. I don't, he, he's, he's not asking all these questions. He's fixing it. Then he's come back saying, hey, you guys need to make sure you're doing this part this way. So that's a, a valuable resource to have. In Definitely. House. And you've got an attorney with a client of one. So you're always on top of the list. That's like right. That. That's right. So did COVID change how you do business much or was it pretty much business as usual? It, it changed a lot of things that, that you know, there was, we, we do a lot of mobile closings. First, I'll give a little snippet of what we do. A lot of mobile closings. Yeah. You know, a very small proportion of our closings happen in the office these days. So during COVID, I had these mobile closers running around. They had no traffic. They, they, I mean, they, they were getting where they were going in a hurry. And then also, no one else had anything to do. So it was just kind of like, yeah, we'll be here. Whenever you show up, we're here. So it made that part easy. And that's, that was kind of the, you know, the goofy part of it. But as far as how industry went, I think it kind of shoved us just a little bit further towards the online signings, like the, the RON, the remote online notaries that uh, you're starting to see more and more of. Uh, it was so... You know, we, we almost do probably 45% of our sellers are done completely online where they don't, they don't come into an office. We don't send a notary to them. They sit here and talk on the computer like you and I are right now with the notary. And then it, it uh, kind of progressed to, you know, cash buyers are doing just like a, a DocuSign or, or a dot loop for, for the buyer documents. So, I, you know, if I don't need notarized, uh, anything notarized on there, it makes it even easier the one thing that I wish would have happened is that if more lenders would have signed on with the remote online notary, there's, there's a, there's a handful, but as far as the ones that we deal with on a regular basis, there's only three or four that will take a closing that's completely done online. Mm -hmm. I think the rest of them may just be so scared that they're not going to be able to sell that right. paper without, without those original signatures on them that they still make us do it. The dinosaur. Sure. I think we saw that industry wide. I mean, so much that we was, off limits, you know, no, no, you got to do that in person. You got to, well, COVID came along and all of a sudden we couldn't do it in person. So we got to right. find another way. Uh, and to your point, I, I feel strongly that, I mean, we see the wave headed that way. I mean, my company, as you know, is entirely virtual. So, uh, but we, mm -hmm. we were virtual mm -hmm. before virtual was cool. I just want to point that out. Yes, you so were. Uh, I remember my rookie, my first closings were, were sitting in a conference room for what seemed like days uh watching a buyer <laughs> those are roundtable closings you're saying that those are now in the minority or are they in the vast minority roundtables buyers and yes. sellers being there that it, uh, i think we we did one last month out of uh, yeah. i don't know yeah. how many purchase okay. closings uh, 190 185 yeah. something yeah. like that i think we did one and that was because it was a FISBO and they were already uh, a family affiliate. You know, they, right. they knew each other. They, they it wasn't even family. They were kind of friends or whatever. But that was the only one we did last month. And there, there's too many things that could create some animosity through the process of a closing anymore. Let's say that, you know, that inspection you know, gets beat up and the seller stands their ground. Well, then don't buy it, you know, or whatever. I'm not fixing anything. And then the buyer's kind of, then you get them all together. There's a little bit of a powder keg there that you might be lighting a fuse on if you put them in the same room together. So 
I don't even I don't even you know ask people to do it right. anymore. We have a whole series of truths in the office, and one of them is the love peaks during the offer and fades all the way to the closing table. Uh, and, <laughs> that is so true. And if you don't have enough of the tank, you may not make it across the finish line. So we're very mm-hmm, much aware mm-hmm. that that camaraderie they all felt, the warm fuzzies during the offer, very very often is is more of a contentious relationship by the by the finish line. But yeah, so so then. Most of them are either done through either remote online notary where, can you tell me about that? If I'm a seller, what does that look like for me? So you log in uh, to, a, to a site that we use. It goes through our, our quality mm-hmm. software and then you verify your identity. There's various steps, you know, driver's license and social security number, things like that. They're verifying their identity, who they are. So the notary can notarize their signature at that point. And then it's the documents are popping up on the screen and the buyer, seller, whoever it is, is, is signing them right there. The notary is clicking their part to notarize them, and it's it's very like very much like what we're doing here, except off to the right would be the documents, and so it's kind of like a, a screen share that you would see in a lot of meetings and Zoom meetings and things How like that. How tech savvy does the seller has to be, or do they have to have special equipment or software or anything to do this? No, they do not. You know, they can do it on their phone. They can do it on their smartphone, so they do not even need a computer to do it. Every once in a while, we'll just see that some people just getting their uh, identific- uh, ID verified is sometimes can be a little bit of a hiccup. But other than that, it can be done right on their phone while they're driving down the road. <laughs> hey, now, uh, no, I'm, I, I, I don't recommend it. Right. I'm rapidly creeping into that older generation. So, you know, watch it. <laughs> and my kids have been reminding me very recently, uh, you know, my AARP magazine shows up and. Then I got to hear about it. So the option, if they don't want to do the remote online, is to have a what a like a person driving around. You mentioned during COVID, they were you know zigzagging the state. So these are notaries. Yep, all over the that you hire and send them out with the docs. Yep, yep. I have someone staff, and then when we overflow, uh, I have a stable of contract notaries that'll go out and take care of them for me. And then also, some people still just love to come to our office. So uh, I, I still get to do a good amount of closings because if it's scheduled in my office, chances are I'm going to close it myself. Got it. And for those, I mean, the ones that are doing the the live notary away from the office, any restrictions on that? They can meet like at Bob Evans, they can in their house, their work, wherever. I I did that for a lot of years myself. I have closed everywhere you can think of Marion correctional facility to McDonald's to uh, you name it. I mean, the hood of a car, whatever and that's what they do down too. there's no specifics on where they're going to close okay. well that's thank you for that little trip down there I, I hope that was interesting so moving on one of the th- questions i get probably it's probably one of there's two questions i get a lot i'll reserve the other one but the one i get most often is what is title insurance and what you know what's going on with that whole discussion and i know there's multiple kinds with without getting too deep in the weeds can you kind of give me the overview of title insurance? Because I know that that's a big part of the discussion. Okay. We'll talk about transactions kind of specific yeah. to you. It's usually an own, owner's policy of title insurance. So I'm doing my title search on the property, making sure all my ducks are in a row, that I am going to be able to guarantee that that buyer is getting a property that no one else has a claim to, whether it be the taxes at the treasurer or some other mortgage company or some kind of judgment that the, the seller may have had against them. The list goes on and on and on of who that could be. I am guaranteeing that that buyer can have peace of mind that no one else 
has a claim to the property that they're about to buy. So in other words, yeah, that's what insurance is for, right? You buy it, you hope you never need it, but if you need it, thank goodness it's there. So if somebody comes along and says, hey, I'm the long lost grandson of the guy who sold it, I get a piece of this because for whatever reason I feel like I'm entitled, what happens? Do you, how do we engage? So I'm gonna go search the court records. I'm gonna see like, hey, I see where your grandpa himself deeded the property to the next buyer. Right. So tell me where you fit into you being his grandson that you are entitled to a piece of that property. So it's it's going to be them trying to present evidence to us that you may end up in court or whatever. But nonetheless, I'm going to be able to look back and you know immediately if, if something like that would come along, I'm I'm going to be able to look back and ooh, I, you know if I missed something and I'm you know oh, there wasn't marital status on there or what happened to grandpa's uh, wife, what happened to grandma? Okay, now you might have a problem because. Maybe he's really saying that he has a claim on this property through grandma, then his dad, and they don't help or whatever it might be. But if I bought the property or I sold the property, what's my involvement at that point if I have if there's title insurance? You're out. I'm here to handle everything that you had against the property, whether it was good, bad, ugly, whatever. So you're as the seller, you're out. You don't do a title insurance policy. You don't go through a title company. Let's just say, you know, you got some legal form online you went and made the deed yourself then you handed the seller bob the check and walked away all right i got the property well whatever bob did on that property you're stuck with it so now you have a title company we are title agents just like you know your, your local progressive agent or whatever your independent insurance agent i underwrite for three different companies and these are companies with billions and billions in assets so you have that guarantee okay behind what I'm writing you, that there's big money behind it to guarantee that we did it correct. So in other words, if something pops up, I may not even know about it as the consumer. And I certainly don't have to worry right. about it because it's covered. That's Got it. It's so, covered. We, we are we are covering it. And you know, if, if it's something you should be paying, well, it's going to be on your settlement statement and we're going to pay it out of your proceeds. You're only going to get what's left after we handle all the liens and taxes and water bills and Whatever else is on there, you'll get what's left. And then that buyer can take peace of mind that we've cleared everything on that property. And if we didn't, they got a nice title insurance policy to, 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 to cover any loss they might incur. So a lot of times in Ohio, you know, there's the one, depending on where we are in the state, because like you, we cover all 88 counties and mm-hmm. various purchase agreements have different language. If a seller by contract or by negotiation has to pay for the buyer's title insurance. Some of my sellers get a little bit antsy about that. Like, why am I buying an insurance policy for this person? Do they get any residual coverage? Is there any benefit to my sellers in that situation? No benefit to your sellers, except for it makes the property that much more appealing. The buyers did an inspection. They want to guarantee that the property wasn't, you know, falling down. Why not guarantee that one of the biggest things that could come along and wipe out your investment in that property is, you know, an old lien or an old heir or something along those lines. I'm guaranteeing that that's not going to happen. So I'm right there with everyone else in the process of buying and selling a home to guarantee peace of mind to that new buyer. Which then extends to me, the seller, because I don't have to hear about it either. Because we all know, I mean, that's right. To your point earlier, if there's a physical problem with the property, let's say they did inspections or didn't do inspections, whatever, it's closed, all sales are final, as we know. And then Mm -hmm. three months later, a problem shows up. I will 
almost guarantee you nine times out of 10, that buyer is going to reach out to us because we represented the seller and they're going to want to talk about mm-hmm. it. So I could see mm-hmm. maybe where a seller would also get some of that peace of mind, whether they paid for it, the buyer paid for it, whoever, if there's title insurance in play, that does kind of benefit everybody at the, at the virtual table. Yeah. They're all buyers, sellers, lenders, realtors. Everybody's Everyone's per- coming back yeah. to me when something like that happens. Very good. Let's say I buy a property and then I pass on your fabulous insurance. And then, I don't know, I read a story in the Wall Street Journal six months later and I wake up in sweats like, oh my gosh, I should have bought that insurance. Is it too late? No. Uh, they, there's, you know, like you mentioned a little bit ago that there's different ways of doing things in different markets in, in Ohio. Down in Southwest Ohio, Cincy Market, let's call it that area, there's not always an owner's policy right. purchased for people. You know, whether it be their realtor or their lender or someone that shouldn't have told them not to buy it, but they sometimes do. And and then all of a sudden there's there's uh, an issue and you didn't get a title insurance policy and that the, the title company didn't pay the water bill or the second mortgage or I don't know what there could be. a You know, again, that list is long uh, that now they're they've got no one to go back to because they didn't get that policy. So now we have a form like, you know, the last one we did was a refi probably about maybe about a year ago. So we walk in and say, all right, hey, we did a title search on the property to do all this. And you didn't probably didn't. I can tell that you didn't get a title insurance policy. There's nothing protecting you against something that could come up from the past on your property. But I have this form right here to where I'll I'll sell you a policy right now and they wrote the check and, and they paid the difference between the owner's policy and the lender's policy that they were already. So getting. is that something all title companies do? I mean, I know you can't speak for the whole world, but is that something that some do and some don't or do is this standard? It, some do okay. and some don't. And, and it's kind of market okay. specific. You know, here in central Ohio, nine times out of 10, if your deal went through a realtor and it's actually more than nine yeah. times out of 10, I mean, you know, it's 95 yeah. times out of 100. If a deal went through a realtor through normal channels, you're going to have a title insurance. Got policy. it. So speaking of differences from one title company to the next, can we, can we talk about title company fees? Because I know they're not all the same, Absolutely. right? I mean, some of them are, but some Absolutely. of them aren't. Can you break that down? All right. Here's what it is. People, and you know, I get, I get realtors and say, well, title companies charge the same, don't they? Because they don't know that the only part of it that's regulated other than the closing protection letter, but that's a small piece is the title insurance premium. It's regulated by the state. There's various discounts that, we can get, that can be given to it. You know, if, if you've got a policy within right. the last 10 years already, you know, if you bought the home or whatever, but they get you on the fees like the closing fee, the wire fee, the binder fee, the title exam fee, the junkity junk fee. And then the, the, the list is getting longer by the minute. Yeah, there are, there are, there's coming a data retention and, you know, blah, blah, service fee and so on and so forth to where that's where the difference is in costs. We are all regulated by the state on the title premium, but we can charge whatever the heck else we want after that. Or not. Or not, or, or you know, or charge right. less. And now it has to be within reason. If you start charging crazy fees, Department of Insurance is gonna start asking questions. But nevertheless, you know, if there's a five, $8,000 swing between what I'm charging and what the company next door is charging, there's nothing you can do about it. That's where other companies will kind of gouge you is the fees that are above and beyond title insurance. I'm guilty. You know, a hundred years ago when I started, I thought the same thing. I really did. I put no thought whatsoever into the title slide. I just let everybody else decide. And it wasn't until yeah. 
Well, I was probably a few years in before I started really reading settlement statements with that filter on and realizing, holy mm-hmm. smokes, you know, some of these are really cool and some are terrible. So I, I became very hands-on with the title selection a long time ago. But so I guess that... Buyer, buyers and sellers should shop for themselves. Yeah. They should shop around. I, I would recommend it, whether buying, selling, refinancing, whatever, shop those other title companies and see, you know, it's... We are issuing the same product. Service being what it should be, wouldn't you always choose the lower cost for the same product? Yeah, actually, that's, you know, there's probably... If service is what it's supposed to be. And, you know, I know from working with you in the past, data security is a very hot topic for you, and it's it's high on your priority list. Um, Is that something the state tells you exactly how you have to behave, or are there varying degrees of security with... Because, I mean, let's face it, what... What you mentioned the hub and spoke, right? Well, that's an awful lot mm-hmm. of spokes of information, and some of it is a little bit sensitive, like you know my bank account a number. My, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I know every year I'm still astounded after all these years. Every year I intercept it I, by accident. I get three or four emails a year with somebody's information that I just don't want. I don't want it, and it's not supposed yeah, to come to me. Yeah, they were trying to send it to the lender. Yep. Got CC'd. Yeah, they're trying to send their their pay yep. stubs or something yep. like that stuff right. I don't want. And so, you asked about does the state set you know set the standard there? No, state doesn't doesn't ask me a question about that at all. My underwriter, now they'll you know if if they meet, see me doing something that they're like that's not quite secure, they'll start to scrutinize me. You know they'll they'll be like, hey, you need to you need to tighten up a little bit here. But it's. It seems far and wide, and the, as much money as we're handling in this industry as a title company, you know, it, it, that we are a big target. Yeah. And in the last three, let's call it two and a half months, two of the largest title companies in the country were hacked. And it hasn't come out yet. They're publicly traded companies. They had to pay their ransomware uh, attackers handsomely. We don't know how much yet, but I'm betting it's millions and millions of dollars to release their system when you know what one of them was the biggest title insurer in the country has a whole family of companies and you've heard of most of them that they were out of commission for about 10 days they even their, their agents below them couldn't even write policies oh because they, they because the system was down so it's a big target we're constantly under attack so you better take steps to make sure the information that we have is secure. so from the outsider I, remember i'm a home seller out here I, what I don't know from data hacks and all this other garbage. What and I know it's important, but how in the world do I ask? How do I verify that? How do I make sure? Is there anything I can hang my hat on? When when we're dealing with one of your clients, Glenn, first thing we do, we put that purchase contract in there. They're getting a secure email through a, a secure portal for the exchange of information. So we are establishing that one on one. You're only sharing this information with us. So it's kind of watch out for that. If if you see that. We're doing every, you know, the company that you're dealing with is doing what they can to say that it's safe. But all of a sudden, if people are just sending attachments all free willy nilly and 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 things like that, you know, kind of watch out and then uh, scrutinize every bit of info you got. I'll tell you, we get your Qualia. Is it that's the name of that software that you use? And that's right. That's free, right? You can get that anywhere, right? Free. (laughs) Anyway, no, I know you pay a pretty penny for that. So you're you're yeah we. We pay a and you put a, but but that just speaks to the to the value that you put on data security. And your yeah. underwriter doesn't make you do that, do they? No, we you know we we, we could be using a very uh, an older software uh, that doesn't even offer that secure portal, 
and and no one's going to care. I mean, you know, the, the underwriter will scrutinize us a little bit and tell us to tighten yeah. up. But nevertheless, no, you people do not have to spend that money. But uh, we chose to because of how secure it makes communication and how easy it makes communication. And look, you know, I get for the average listener that this is probably a, one of the drier topics we've ever talked about. But quite honestly, these are the ones that sneak <laughs> up and bite you in the butt. Um, I just big. The, the, it's the money. It's the money. I part. wrote a piece about six months ago, and I quoted the FBI as saying that that somewhere in the neighborhood of a billion, with a giant B, uh, dollars worth of real estate money is intercepted by nefarious people every year. I thought that was like a total mm -hmm. lifetime number. They're like, no, no, that's every year mm -hmm. somewhere in that neighborhood, and that's just from. Sloppy data, leaving windows open that we shouldn't leave open, right? Right. A local company uh, in Columbus uh, was a victim of uh, over $1.7 million uh, wire fraud. Mm. And, and the way it happened was the hackers found a way into the email mm -hmm. of that company. They sat there and watched this, this escrow processor's mm -hmm. email. And then they see a big fat deal yep. come across. And that, that escrow processor gets emailed to him a $1.7 million mortgage payoff. And so, okay, put it in the file, get it ready for closing. A few days later, gets an updated payoff. Whatever, no big deal, something changed. Maybe the maybe the bar, uh, borrower made a yep. payment. They didn't notice that the updated payoff statement had different wire mm -hmm. instructions on it. So they go to do the closing, funding pulls out that payoff. All right, we're sending it to blah, 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 blah. Well, they didn't know that the account was actually the yeah. hacker's account. Yep. So... And, and it got a more elaborate than that because they were moving the money from the bank account through a currency cloud. And so, but they're only allowed to do so much at a time. So they were doing 50 grand a day and it's going to take you a little while. At to drain it. They were trying to drain it. To drain it. So when they went back and looked, the hacker was still in the email replying to emails for the lender who was, the lender was expecting yeah. the $1.7 million money? Dollar payoff. <laughs> The, and the hacker's going, oh, sorry, we got a problem with funding. Well, oh. We're going to get it out to you right away. And they just delayed them and delayed mm. them and delayed them. And, you know, the processor wasn't sending this. So he didn't, you know, he didn't, didn't even, even know. didn't even know to look for it. So they ended up getting some money back because they couldn't bleed the account oh out fast enough. Well, when you've got that big of a fish on the line, you, you do what you got to do. Hey, real quick. If I told you that you could make more money and dodge a whole bunch of headaches the next time you sell a home, You'd want in, right? Well, let me introduce you to Living to Listing, the 10-day home selling transformation. It's our all-in-one online course designed to sidestep the most common problems that always seem to show up and cost you thousands of dollars or even kill the deal. As we've learned, the best way to solve a problem is to avoid it by prepping the home the right way. In Living to Listing, we take you through every step from a major decluttering party to the nitty-gritty of cleaning, repairs, staging, and getting those picture-perfect photos. These are tried and true strategies pulled from the trenches of my two decades in real estate, complete with scars to prove it. You get hands-on checklists and resources for each part of the process. And here's my promise. If this course doesn't meet your high standards, reach out and I'll refund you. You've got nothing to lose. Check out sample videos at livingtolisting.com and see for yourself. That's livingtolisting.com. Let me know what you think. Uh, so you're saying that if, if again, Mr. Joe Homeseller, when I'm selling, if I'm getting emails or text messages, God forbid, asking for sensitive data, that should, their lights should go off, right? This is not cool. What yes, do I do? This is in that cool. moment. What do I do? Call just the call the company them. and just say, say, hey, I, I got this email, and you know, I'm going to say, I don't know right. what that is. Forward that to me real quick. And let me take a look at that. 
and then I'm going to go, yeah, oh, that's, that's bad. And, and then you can usually go back and identify where the, uh, the breach was, whether it was the one of the realtors or whether it was the, the borrower or the, or the seller themselves or yeah. whatever. Make sure you're using that secure portal yeah. to exchange sensitive information. We get uh, occasionally, because we do quite a few deals a year, occasionally we get a buyer agent will push back. Well, I don't know, this quality of things are pain in the butt. I'm like, listen, that, that, that thing's your best friend right now. So, you know, just roll with it. I promise you, you'll be, you'll get used to it and it'll be fine. And what, I mean, you couldn't spend more than three minutes learning how to use it. Well, why can't we just do this by email or fax or what, what, you know, like, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no, we don't, that's, that's too vulnerable. So, okay. Well, enough about that. Um, on to service, because we talked about fees. We talked about security. My other big pillar when, when we are shopping for title services for our clients is service. And I know that just is such a, a generic term, but having worked with your team, uh, and I guess I didn't intend to go here, but I will just tell you, we've worked with title companies that let's just say they don't want to talk to anybody except either the realtor or the lender. They don't want to talk to a human outside of the, the licensees. Is that normal within the industry or is that something you guys take a different approach to? Well, we take a different approach to it. Is Sure. Do we have emails sure. that go out? Absolutely. But if we're not getting the information we're requesting or something along those lines, eventually you got to pick up the phone. You know, it, it's set up in our system. I think we, we've stopped it at three. So we're sending three requests to that seller to start their portal, right. then start getting them. Once the portal's established, let's start exchanging the information that we need. And then uh, uh, if we don't get that after that third attempt, I'm going to reach out to, hey, Glenn, uh, your seller on 123 Main Street just isn't replying to me. And I'm going to call them just so you know what's going Excellent. on. And then, uh, and then we'll proceed to call them. But, you know, sometimes they're skeptical uh, of that email or they're skeptical of me right. because they don't know me like they know you or, or you know, your, your relationship with them was, was already established. So, hey, sometimes I have, hey, Glenn, you got to get them on board here for me or, or whatever. They, they, they're not replying to anything. Yep. But uh, you got to pick up the phone at some point in time. And that instantly is going to make that buyer, seller, whatever. Okay. They, uh, now that I see that that email was legit, and they know everything about the deal, they're involved in the deal, and Glenn told yep. me they'd be calling or whatever, and so it gets the channel open that so way. So on the reverse of that, I'm Joe Seller. I'm at home. I've got some questions. Is it like is it permissible? Do I have to work through email to work with you? Can I call you? Um, not you, maybe, but can I call your team and, and maybe talk to somebody if I've got some concerns? Absolutely call my team, but also call me. You know, that's kind of the part I thrive on. You know, I got, I've got someone that's, who's got an issue with something. If it's gotten to the point where they they want to call us, they've got an issue right. with something. Call. Right. By all means, call us. And, and, you know, my kids and my girlfriend will, will attest that I answer my phone way too dang much. But sometimes the people need reassured or, or, or need that voice on the other end. To, okay, now I feel a lot yep. better what's going yep. on. So it's not going to Well, hurt. to your point, I mean, this isn't something people do every day. I'm Joe Homeseller. It's not like I'm out here, you know, people move, whatever, three or four years, something like that. I might do this three or four times in a whole life. I might maybe more often, but certainly not enough to become an expert. That's right. Well, there's a, a lot of mistakes right. that can be made that are too expensive. Right. And, and you're better off doing it right the first time with the right yeah. professionals in your corner. So if the service is there and the, sec the data security is there. Service being what it should be. Yes. Yeah. And, the, and the, if, if everything is above the line with service and security, then there's no reason on earth to pay a fee that's higher than what you should be. That's exactly. It, it, it's, again, only one part of that is set by the state. Right. The rest of it, charge whatever we want. Good. And that's where, they, that's where they get you. So 
Uh, let's go back to me, Joe Fisbo. I'm now for sale by owner. I don't have a realtor. Now, I got the during part. Like, we covered all that. But what about before yeah. I actually put the home on the market? Or is there anything I could do? Like, is there a reason to call you other than to shop for closing services? Or are there things I can do uh, that you could help me with? So, if, if you know, if you're doing a Fisbo or doing uh, uh, one of your uh, listing packages, there's a, I, I have a relationship with a photographer. So you can go on my website, pick and choose an a la carte photography service, whether it be just home photos or drone or floor plans or 3D tour or whatever it is. And you know if they want to market that FISBO for professionally on Zillow or wherever they're putting it, that'll help. I can help with uh, contract prep. You know, like I said, I have that pet attorney and, uh, and they can prepare a contract for me. So that's where we can help as well. Excellent. But, okay. So you guys, you're, you're there to support whoever's in the driver's seat, whether it's the listing agent or whether it's the seller themselves. You're there to backstop Correct. them with resources and maybe some advice. Um, I noticed on your website, what is that web address, by the way? www.associatestitleinc.com. www.associatestitleinc.com. Five more times. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, uh, and I know you can, you can get a quote on there, right? Easily. You can get a quote easily on there. You can deposit earnest money on there. You can you can reach out to us on there. Uh, there's a chat feature on okay. there that, that I pops up right on my phone. No matter where I'm at, little little bing, bing goes off, and that means someone's in there asking a question. a question. And uh, it's always being monitored. Okay, so if if now I'm, I'm going to shop. So other than what we've already talked about, are there any other questions that as a home seller I should be asking in terms of about the title company? Uh, well, how accommodating are they? You know, that there's some of the biggest ones in the country are the least accommodating. They're, they're, you're doing a closing in their office between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. <laughs> they have to have a week's notice to do it. Uh, no flexibility whatsoever. And so that, that, that's a piece of what you should be asking is, you know, can you accommodate, you know, my elderly mother? Type? I don't want her to, you know, she's selling this house, moving into a assisted living. I, I don't want to have to bring her out or right. whatever. We'll come to you. And a lot of these companies, these bigger companies, they kind of feel like, well, people just send us mm -hmm. business, so we don't need to do anything else for the business. So they don't accommodate. Right. They, 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 they don't, they don't uh, go out of their way. To Understood. Help. So sometimes, you know, you have the best intentions. You make, you make up your mind. I'm going to use this title company. Well, then the bullets are flying, right? You know, the deal is coming and the paperwork's going back and forth and there's negotiating. And all of a sudden, one of the parties says, mm, I'm using this title company. Or in some cases, it's baked right into the contract. The escrow services will be provided by. And it's filled in already. As yeah. a seller, what do I do with that? Well, if it's in the contract, the contract's the contract. You're stuck. Okay. It's If you agreed to a price, you've agreed to a closing date. No, no. Date. You I'm negotiating. To, oh, you're negotiating. Yeah. Well, you yes, you can you can get out of it that way. It's everything on that contract is negotiable. Sometimes they put the title company in MLS, you know, and they and I you know I've had a, agents of mine, a lot of my agents, because they want uh, the the quality and control mm -hmm. that I offer them. They'll write my name into the contract, mm -hmm. and some agents don't even look at that part, and all of a sudden. They got a contract that says associates titles doing the title in the escrow. And they're like, well, you know, my buddy Bob over at so-and-so title was going to do it. And we had it on MLS like that. And they're like, well, you had it on MLS that the price was 200 grand. I'm only paying you 180. Right. I mean, right. this contract trumps it all. Yeah. So that's, that's one way around it is to control the deal is to counter out the things you don't like. You're going to count, you know, if, if they're saying inspection period is going to be 20 days and you want it to be 10, you're countering that out because it's not what you want. 
counter out the title. So it's like any other term in the contract. As long as it's a legal term, they can. So a seller could say, hey, no, I'm not comfortable. I want to use this title company. Absolutely. So they do have counter out anything. Um, Occasionally we get deals with some extra paperwork attached that says that the agent owns a chunk of, or they work for XYZ brokerage and XYZ brokerage literally inside the building has their own title company. As a seller, any advantages or disadvantages to using the one that's under their umbrella? The one that's under their umbrella is called a joint venture or an ABA, or, you know, there's several terms for it. So basically, there, what has happened is the brokerage has bought in to a piece of the title Got company. It. And then the title company, in turn, cuts the profits in half and pays them to the broker or, or whoever it might be that's the partner in the title company. And usually, in those cases, those joint ventures or ABAs, their fees are significantly higher. So you're going to pay the price that way. As far as advantages, other than maybe a little communication between the realtor and the title company, you know, because that title company uh, works for the realtor essentially, but also that realtor's captive business at that point, you know, that title company is impressing them with money. Well, I, I, I don't know that the quality will be Got there it. like it would be if you went out and found an independent. Okay. Well, that certainly, you know, makes sense. So if we can flip back to the title search for a second, obviously stuff comes up. Um, and most of the time when we see these come in, from the title company, there's not a huge surprise. There's a mortgage, there's this, you know, and I check with the seller, is this all like exactly what you expected? 99 times out of 100, they say yes. Let's talk about that one time. When they're like, what? I mean, does this happen? Well, one, oh, of course. Now think about a lot of creditors out there, when someone fails to pay them, they're gonna file a judgment against mm-hmm. them and then we'll see it during our search. Can you imagine if the seller has a common name? Oh. Let's say Michael Brown. John Smith. Do you, John Smith, you, I, there's, it's, I, I say Michael Brown because that's the one that sticks <laughs> out to me because we did one here in Franklin County and there was like 104 judgments filed against a Michael Brown and we got to go through and make sure that none of them are oh, our Michael seller, Brown. Michael Brown. And so, you know, the biggest pain in the rump one is the state of Ohio. For whatever reason, the state of Ohio, I still have to fax them a request Facts. That's that that little machine I heard about with the paper that goes through it, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I faxed them this request that has to have an original signature on it. Now I can't e-sign it, can't do any of that. And then it takes them upwards of four weeks to answer. But the seller or whoever the party is, they can go right on the website, pay it, and send me the receipt. So it's, you're like, really? I can see the information's, you guys are definitely storing it digitally, but yeah, you're making me yeah. send you these, these, this communication, like in this, you know, can we send you a smoke signal or a telegram? <laughs> I don't know what don't know. We, how, how, how else we can Dust off the down. pony, man, send them out. So is that like the most common thing that comes up in a title search is, you know, a lien that may or may not be yours or a creditor that may or may not be yours? That's like the number one. That's okay. exactly it. That's that's number okay. one. Well, what we're seeing a lot right now is we go to uh, pull the payoff or, or we do the title search and there's two mortgages on there. And the seller's like, well, I only have one mortgage. What are you talking about? And then you say, well, did you do any kind of forbearance during COVID or did you do anything like that to delay your payments? And they're like, well, yeah. I'm like, that's not yeah. free. They file another, another lien against it. It's usually by yeah. HUD. And so all of a sudden they've got two mortgages they got to pay off from. So you get to deliver a lot of good news. Going back to me, I'm a, I'm going to sell my house with or without an agent. Is there anything I can do before I put the house in the market so that I don't run into this stuff? Like, do people do that? I know we do pre-inspections sometimes. Do we do mm-hmm. pre-title work? Yeah. Yeah. With my customers, my agents, or, or someone that contacts me, 
I'm going to run the title search ahead of time. Uh, you know, if I know if it's a weird property or something like that, I might kind of be like, Hey, let's wait till we get a contract on that. But on your typical one, you know, I'm like, what are you expecting to see on there? And if they say, Oh, nothing, you know, just, just checking to see if there's any problems. And so usually that one, yeah, I'll do a title search prior Mm -hmm. to, and just have it ready to go, uh, when the contract comes in. Got it. So that's probably not a bad thing for a seller to poke around on at least. Well, you know, we're all about avoiding potholes over here at the Ohio property group because, that, that's what, I mean, it's one thing to get a deal together. It's an entirely different thing to keep it together all the way to the, to the mm-hmm. end. And, you know, the love's getting low and you're hitting all these potholes at the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the more of these we can avoid before we stick that for sale sign in the yard, the smoother we know. And to your point, the more, the, the better value we're going to present to the market. And that's going to show up in a, in a price. That's it. You're right. You're, you're going to provide peace of mind to a potential buyer. Yeah. This is a little bit of a one-off. We got like last year, I think we had seven different boundary disputes. The mortgage company ordered a mortgage survey and then the title company said, hey, by the way, that fence is on the line. That driveway's over the yet. Does this come up a lot or did I just hit the luck of the draw last year? Comes up a lot, especially the older the neighborhood. You know, I, I live in German Village. Last year, I did one where this house, the eve, the, the, the roof, the eve of this roof was over the property line. But the kicker was the house next door that was a little taller was over that property line. <laughs> so it was both houses were across the property line on this on this deal. But, uh, you know, when you're when you're a little more common one, the most common two fence and driveway. Those are the most common ones. And so when that comes up, I'm going to do what I'm going to insure over it on the lender's policy and it'll be an exception to coverage on the owner's policy. Because if I was covering that on the owner's policy a week after closing, the new buyer's going to come say, I want a new fence or I want a new driveway, you know, whatever. But by then we say we will insure over it on the lender's policy. Have you ever seen a lender foreclose on a property because the driveway was over the property line? No, it doesn't happen. So that's why we're insuring it over it for the lender. We'll get it to the closing as long as the buyer is okay that we're not covering that on his owner, his or her's owner's policy. Uh, uh, that way uh, we can still get it, get the deal closed. Man. But yeah, driveways, fences. Come. Always fun. So you do get a little bit of spice over there inside the lab. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's, there's something new every day. Something I, new. Every you know, day. you talked about being thick skinned as a realtor. I mean, I, you know, I kind of like to mix it up with people in a, in a good way. Like if there's a spicy situation, I'm, I'm going to be the guy in the middle of the cloud of dust because that's where I like to be. But mm-hmm. I would think as you get closer and closer to the finish line, the pressure is skyrocketing so that even the tiniest yeah. issue now all of a sudden is under a giant magnifying glass. So do you find that to be true? Well, I had, yeah, I had one the other day. So people went and applied for their loan to buy the house, went through that whole process. They get to the table. Well, actually didn't get to the table. When we send them their closing documents, because I always like to send them to yes. them prior to closing and let them review them. That way they can line up any questions or whatever. We send them the documents you know, because the lender was a little bit behind on when they should have sent us stuff. We sent, we, we get the stuff and the evening before a morning mm-hmm. closing, and all of a sudden the buyer doesn't like how they're entitled. They want their middle initials or they want their whole middle name. So the next morning we're, hey, lender, lender, we need this to happen. So, you know, all of a sudden it's just a, a flurry of activity to get those documents corrected by the lender 
and then get them mm-hmm. to us and then us to present them to the new to, to the buyer and uh you, you you do it's there's it is high pressure and then there's also you know, there's so much money involved that that yeah. uh you know people get, can get a little gun shy about mistakes and and i'm okay yeah. with that you know i want to, i want my staff to scrutinize it twice three times whatever to to ensure that we don't make mistakes uh, I told you earlier that there were two questions we get all the time. One was about title insurance. Can you guess? And I, I this we did not talk about this before. Can you guess what the second one is? Like the number one question I get. If I'm going to get a question about a closing statement, this is going to be the one. Insurance, that was the first what one. Saying? Is what's that title insurance doing on there? And then the second question I get from sellers, probably. Who's paying for that? No, no, they know. It's the it's the property tax proration. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah. Property tax proration. It's. Uh, it's almost we're we're trying to put together a, a smooth animated video to convey oh, this to people. Where do I sign up? I had a, a loan officer it's last week. I had a loan officer that did a deal with us back in July of last mm-hmm. year, his own personal mm-hmm. deal, and then he gets the first half of 2023 <laughs> tax bill in the mail. Why didn't you guys pay my tax? You know, this guy's been doing this for 20 years, and I was like, Joe, you know that the year on that tax return is 23, and that's payable in 24. And it's still, I was just beating it. I'm like, no. And then, oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. I understand. And that was, that's a 20 year vet, yep. you know, in, in this business. Tax prorations are a difficult one to explain, but here's, here's the shortest version of it I can give. I sit down and when I'm doing that settlement statement with them, and I say, I sit back and say, this is a property tax proration credit from the seller to you, the buyer. When in Ohio, we are always paying taxes one year behind. So this year, when your escrow account or you are paying those taxes, it is for last year. So that's why you're being given a credit from the seller for whatever portion of last year the taxes weren't yep. paid. This like came that. up, and I, I, I joke about my math skills, but I'm actually not too bad at it. This came up in real estate school, and mm-hmm. I remember spending what I consider to be a disproportionate amount of time in that class, going over and over and over and over this from the instructor to the agents, eventually they just move on yep. and say, I'm going to get those questions wrong on the test. It's fine. Then two of my adult kids who work for us now decide to get their real estate license. You, you're not going to believe this, but halfway through real estate school, they're calling me up. What? Why can't I get these property tax prorations? I just like, I don't know. So I wrote a huge chunk in my book that was all about property tax preparations. There's no short way to explain it. That's as close as I've heard, though. Serious veterans of the industry that still call me, hey, man, this can't be right. And you're like, how much are their taxes yep. a year? When are we closing? Do that yep. math. And they're like, oh, we yeah. Do, oh, yeah. Uh, we do a net sheet on every offer that comes in on one of our listings. Before we send the offer breakdown and uh, you know we process it down into one page from 30 for the seller. They get the whole thing, but they still get the one page of my notes. They get a separate sheet, the net sheet. You know, It's an estimate of what we think they're going to walk away with if this deal goes all the way to closing, nothing changes, just like it's written. And that whole net sheet came out of property tax prorations. If it hadn't been for property tax prorations, I probably wouldn't even do a net sheet. I would put it on a napkin and no, send it to they them. Can do, it's, it's easy. Simple. Yeah, simple yeah. math. And it, what's simple funny is in the beginning, when you're talking about all the numbers that go with a typical real estate transaction, it's not like it's this massive percentage of it. But boy, at the end, when they see that, it's like all these red flags. It's like every question mark they've ever had gets focused into that one number. So Biggest one, I paid, I paid them. Taxes. <laughs> you're like, yep. I mean, we laugh about it, but it, it's, it causes a lot of anxiety out there for buyer and seller. Oh, so. And agents and uh, lenders. Yeah, and- well, buyers get the credit of it. I always say that, hey, when you're buying, you you make out like a bandit. When you're selling, you, you take it on the keister. But well, uh, 
It's, uh, it, That's one of our our tactics, I should say, is we tell the seller, hey, if you hit, do you have the settlement safe from when you bought the house? And many of them do because it wasn't that long ago. They'll be like, or I'll have it because mm-hmm. they, they, you know, they work through us. I'll say, look, right there, line whatever. That's the buyer. That's the seller when you bought it, giving them to you. So paying mm-hmm. it forward, I guess, is how we look at it. So, look, as we start to, you know, wind down here, thank you, first of all, for a great time. I, I hope everybody learns a lot. But if you had to take all of this stuff that we've talked about or maybe something we haven't talked about and give the seller, whether it's an investor who flips a lot of property or somebody who's selling their first home in 20 years, is there one kind of piece of advice you would say, look, if you, do, if you do nothing else, if you take nothing else away from this podcast, make sure you do this. Let's say you're selling a property, call your title person on a Saturday and see what happens. Why? Chances are they won't answer. <laughs> I do. I, I'm providing that accessibility and accountability mm-hmm. to go with security and mm-hmm. service and pricing mm-hmm. that I don't think many places offer. And it's kind of like, uh, I feel like I'm a little bit on call yeah. as realtors or sellers or buyers or whatever. Things are still moving on the weekends and all of a sudden have the people that are going to handle all the money and the whole transaction are just, they're out of the office. Well, you know, maybe you can find a, a title company or a title rep that uh, doesn't leave you hanging on a Saturday or Sunday. It's or rare. Like I mean, if we're dealing with a lender and to your point, many times, even a title company, not yours, of course, if we see a, an activity scheduled out between now and closing lands on a Friday afternoon before a Monday <laughs> morning, we move it. Because we know it's just going to sit there and yeah. get moldy. That's yep. a great call out. So thank you for that. Anything personally or otherwise that you're working on that you want to talk about? No, it's just I'm constantly trying to attract people mm-hmm. like you, Glenn. I want to show you my value. Mm-hmm. And in turn, you help show my value to your clients. And hopefully that's a, a smooth explanation to make. And when everything's in line, I hope it should be. It should make it easy job for you and me to to get that client to use my company through all the things that we have to offer and, and, and how secure we can make them be. Well, you survived the 08 crash and you're here today to talk about it. So I'd say you're doing a few things right. There's no doubt. And I can just tell you from our perspective, we see a pretty broad spectrum of service and security and savings, you know, and fees from title companies and I didn't pick your name out of a hat. We are very much aligned in the way we do business. So uh, for what that's worth, um, if people want to say hi to you, connect with you just through your website. Sure. They could go on the website, use the chat mm-hmm. feature or feel free to text me or call me anytime. That's the quickest way. 614-419-2418. Try it out. You know, call me, text me on a weekend or whatever. If you got a real estate question, fire it Good out. deal. What's that web address? One more time. www.associatestitleinc.com. And that's associates with an S title Inc like incorporated.com. Got it. Well, Ryan, it's been an absolute delight. Thank you. I know that we, we all learned a lot today, so I appreciate it. Good luck. I appreciate you having me on Glenn and uh, we'll be talking to you soon and uh, let's do some more business. Sounds together. good. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Huge thanks to Ryan Phillips for sharing so much about the title process. I know I got a little smarter today. Hopefully you did too. Before we go, just a quick reminder that the Talking Realty Podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Property Group, a family-owned brokerage where we help hundreds of home sellers save millions of dollars and avoid countless headaches every year. Check us out at ohiomlsflatfee.com. If today's conversation sparked a new idea or answered a burning question, please don't keep it to yourself. Share this episode with friends and family who might benefit from it. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to this podcast, Talking Realty, for more insights, tips, and stories to help you navigate the world of home selling. If you have any questions, 
or topics that you'd like us to cover in the future, we'd love to hear from you. Just head over to TalkingRealty.com and say hi. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, keep making smart moves in your real estate journey. This is Glenn Witten signing off from Talking Realty. And remember, you can sell it. We can help. Thank you.